Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about Greed, which happens to be the last new release I got to see in the theaters before movie theaters all shut down due to the coronavirus situation going on in this crazy world we're living in right now. Uh, Of course... Those of you who know me know that King Kong was the last, last movie I saw in the theater before everything shut down. Who knows what the next movie I'll get to see in a movie theater is, but for now I get to remember Greed as a uh, memory of, of the times B.C., is what I like to call it, before coronavirus. And Greed is a new film from Michael Winterbottom, starring, as a lot of his movies do, Steve Coogan. And it's a great comedy, a kind of a little bit mockumentary style, and uh, really great social satire. And it is a fun movie that did not get a lot of attention when it came out, but hopefully now that it's out on VOD, more people will check it out. And joining me for the episode is someone who loved this movie, returning co-host Joe Black. So before we get into the conversation, I do want to remind you to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, and follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join the Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. Maybe even support us over on Patreon, where we do have lots of advanced episodes available for you to check out. Greed was one of them. It has been sitting there since we recorded this back in March. And uh, yeah, so you can always jump in there and, uh, you know, throw us a couple of bucks a month and get access to early episodes, as well as some new music stuff that I got coming real soon. So... Lots of stuff happening over on Patreon, and uh, I think that about does it. Why don't we jump into this conversation about greed? I'm really happy to finally get this one up on the feed. All right, so joining me today for an episode that we, we've been trying to record for a little bit now. It's been it's been a little while. Some things have happened, uh, but but we're here to finally do it. We've got Joe Black on the show to talk about greed. How's it going, Joe? Doing very well. How are you doing in this quarantine? Oh, I, I'm I'm doing all right. I am uh, I am filling my days with just I, I have so much to do and I'm doing it. <laughs> it's it, it's kind of uh, it's kind of weird. It's it it makes me feel strange that I could uh, get so much of the things I want to get done done and and not have to do anything else. It's I almost feel guilty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm filling my I'm filling my days with just so much, you know. It's awesome. 
Yeah, same. I, I just moved into a new apartment in Pasadena, so I've been like decorating that, getting that all set up, and I've been finishing all those Blu-rays and stuff that I was supposed to have done months ago. <laughs> nice. Uh, just been like from wake to sleep, just nonstop work, 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 work every day. And yeah. it's a miracle I got anything done before this quarantine. Yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> how is that? How is that even possible that we had even less time? Like, I, I don't even know. But, uh, but yeah, no. Th- this movie, Greed, is one. Uh, it was one of the last things I saw in the theater, and y- you recommended it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I hadn't even heard of it, although, you know, in looking back, I did see the trip. Um, I don't remember if I saw any of the other Steve Coogan, Michael Winterbottom movies, but I know I saw the trip. Um. But I, I wasn't aware of this movie going into it. I, I went in completely blind, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I know you loved it. It's, is it your favorite movie this year so far? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's that and Doolittle, though. So, I mean, it's not like it's <laughs> stiff competition or anything. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it just it, it floored me. It was the last movie that I saw in the theater, actually. Um, nice. I did not make it out again. And I was going to go see Divine Madness, the Bette Midler, Michael Ritchie film. Um hmm. On the Thursday, like they basically quarantined us two days before that. So yeah. had had that quarantine happen on Friday instead of Tuesday, Bette Midler's Divine Madness would have been the last thing I saw. But, uh, yeah, I, I my last movie was actually uh, the the TCM screening of King Kong, and that was when people were already like kind of like shaming me for going to the movie theater still mm. <laughs> which 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 king kong was guilty it? the 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 1933 okay um, i was gonna say if yeah. it was any other version i would have shamed you just in general yeah. but <laughs> yeah what are you doing with yourself yeah <laughs> yeah but uh no this was the thing i saw before it though and um yeah i mean were you when this came out was it something that was like you were like looking forward to it were you a big fan of uh winter bottom stuff or I like what I've seen of his. I I liked all three of the trip movies um quite mm-hmm. a bit, Tristram and Shady. I mean like I I yeah, I like what he's done. I didn't know that uh he had made it. I I just I saw a trailer for it and um there was just something about the trailer. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't read anything about it. I didn't I just I saw that trailer and I said I feel like they're hiding something. Mm. Like every now and then I'll see a trailer like that where I'm like that's not the movie. Uh, that I'm going to see if I go to that movie. You know what I mean? Like they're trying sure. to sell it. They try to sell it like a Will Ferrell anchorman kind of uh, Danny McBride Eastbound and Down kind of thing, but it's not. Yeah. It's a deeply moving and deeply disturbing, uh, almost traumatic, um, but cathartic. <laughs> it's it's a, it was an incredible film and it's so uh, understated. Uh, it's it to me. It's it's ideal uh, cinema. Yeah. It's uh, audience friendly. But like so, uh, so vital. I think I don't know, yeah, I don't know yeah. how to describe it. Um, no, that makes sense. Steve Coogan is just an, an actor too, who's just never gotten his due uh, over here, at least. Um, sure. He just, I mean, gosh, Hamlet too, being one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. And then it, like I, I've loved Steve Coogan so long that like I went to see Tropic Thunder mainly for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could imagine my disappointment when he. Uh, violently exits the film about 25 minutes into it <laughs> but he is great in it and, and i do i do love that movie even if i don't know you, you I, I take it you're not a fan hate it i think it's terrible yeah. <laughs> I, oh well <laughs> every few every few years i try to rewatch it and it just never pans out it just never <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. It's too obvious. And I love Ben Stiller's other movies. Everything else Ben Stiller has done, I think, is gold. Cable huh. Guy, one of the all-time greats. Oh, you know? yeah, but, absolutely. But uh, Tropic Thunder is nothing but dud after dud after dud. There's like two or three good jokes. Can't, can't win them all, I guess. Well, all right. Well, let's get into greed. Let's get into some puzzle pieces. And I do want to just say real quick before we get to your first one, uh, it, you know, we, we've kind of talked about it a little bit throughout this conversation already. It has been a weird month. And to say that that my brain has been a little busy and maybe uh, some things are a little foggy that may may happen during this conversation. But I'm sure uh, I'm sure we'll be all right. We'll make oh, I'm in the same thing. boat. And especially <laughs> with how packed the movie is. Like, that's the big secret. That's true. The movie's so yeah. dense in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. There is a lot going on in this thing. Um, so what do you got for your first piece? Okay, so for my first piece, I mean, you, you can't have a mockumentary. I mean, the movie is set up kind of half mockumentary. Yeah. Um, and you can't do that without making some kind of Christopher Guest reference. And sure. um, I think that not only in format does it most closely relate to, but also in content, um, Christopher Guest's uh, for your consideration. I had it as well. Well, you had that one specifically. <laughs> specifically yeah. for your consideration yeah yes. yeah because that film like i said most of his films which i'm not the biggest fan of his actually um mm -hmm. i don't really like the tone of mighty wind and best in show they're kind of like depressing mm. you know like they're they're very depressing movies um but for your consideration i think um had a little more love to it and it's not a full-blown mockumentary like the rest of his work it's half mockumentary half you know, satire, comedy. Um, but like uh, this film, like Greed, it doesn't it doesn't steer away from dark places and it doesn't. And unlike the rest of Christopher Guest's movies, which are all kind of hyper exaggerated, some of the mm -hmm. characters in For Your Consideration are very human. And if they're not human, they become human throughout the course of it, like Parker Posey's character um, with her relationship deteriorating with the other actor when she gets oscar buzz and he doesn't and then mm -hmm. um you know harry shear's character where he like you know is sitting there waiting by the phone in the morning for the call hoping he gets the oscar nomination because he doesn't have a tv or a radio you know <laughs> yeah um so like like greed i think that for your consideration dared to creep up on you in its yeah. poignancy and also to specifically focus on an industry that is troubling mm -hmm. um which, you know, that movie being the film industry, but greed being the fashion industry, um, I think even more than waiting for Guffman or, or Best in Show, it specifically is questioning an industry and calling it out. Right, right. No, absolutely. And that I think that point is why I was kind of singling out uh, for your consideration, because, well, you know, of course, the mockumentary, uh, uh, you know, comparison is, you know, something I think is a you know an obvious thing for us to to go after i think kind of poking fun at that specific industry is where there there's a big comparison to be made here and uh and then i i think also um as far as like the character based stuff that's maybe a little bit more prevalent for your consideration than some of the earlier christopher guest movies i think also his his tv show uh family tree also kind of continued some of that as well which which i really enjoyed i never did watch mascots though the Net netflix one his most recent project I, I i saw that one i didn't care for it i don't know family tree at all though it was uh it was an hbo series that he did and, oh okay uh, yeah it, it was great it was as good as 
you know, any of his moods. I'm actually, you know, I, I know you said you're not as big of a fan of like a Mighty Wind and and Best in Show. I love those movies. I get the criticism that you're you're putting at them. I mean, they are very, you know, very mocking of their characters. You know, they're they're you know the characters in them. But well, they're. I don't mean it as criticism. I just mean it as assessment. You know what I mean? Like it, like those, sure. Those I I you know you, I we've talked about it on here before. How sensitive I am to things that are making fun of people. You know, for, yeah. But like I don't feel that way about his movies. I just they're just sad. <laughs> Like yeah. very sad movies. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the end of a mighty wind. For God's sakes, Eugene Levy's character isn't he in like an insane asylum at the end because he's so yeah. depressed because she kissed him? Yeah, but, that is. Yeah, a, come on, a <laughs> it sure well, is, man. Well, and his movies have never been hugely successful. Like in the theater, they've all kind of found their place later on in home video and on TV and stuff. But um, but for your consideration was his like biggest flop. Mm-hmm. Like that was, you know, and, and, uh, a mighty wind, I believe was nominated for Oscars too, yeah. or something like, so like they were actually, I think planning for, for your consideration to be kind of a bigger thing. And it just, oof, fell on. Yeah, I remember, I remember that it just, it didn't land like for yeah. whatever reason. And, and it's, it's still got so much, you know, so much of what makes his movie's great in it, but it just didn't connect in the same way. I agree. I think the problem is that he had like a core fan base build up that just wanted mockumentary. And then it like kind of wasn't. And yeah. then also Hollywood, you know, doesn't like when you uh, are successful at calling them out in not <laughs> yeah, a, sure. and, uh, and also, I mean, it's kind of, I would compare it to Ford versus Ferrari um, <laughs> in that, uh, you know, mighty wind it got like oscar buzz and all that so like he was expected for fame and fortune then didn't win any oscars it didn't get it you know um, yeah so then he makes a movie about how getting oscar buzz during a production skews the production is something that you didn't want it to be and by the end you compromised yourself and have to right and ford versus (laughs) ferrari i i totally saw that as uh james mangled like after logan or Mm -hmm. well after you know after the first wolverine especially like um you know, I'm sure he had to make compromises left and right. Like he had a vision and they didn't let him do it. So he kind of failed, you know, with the second Wolverine. And then he made Logan kind of uncompromised and there was Oscar buzziness, but then the studio did nothing with trying to promote it for Oscars and threw it under the bus, much like the character in Ford versus Ferrari, Matt Damon, who has a vision halfway through, he has to get rid of Christian Bale and get the other driver. They fail miserably. Then the next year he rebuilds it in the way that he wants. And then the (laughs) studio, they're going to win most of them in the studio kind of like throws them under the bus to save face for the brand instead of, you know, I mean like to me, they're the same movie. (laughs) Yeah. I I love that, that, that whole metaphor with, with Ford V Ferrari that a lot of people have kind of like pointed to. I just think that's so interesting. I like Um, it more than the movie. I like the movie. Love the metaphor. That I, I, I completely agree there. Uh, So I'll jump into my, uh, my next piece. I, like I said, I did have for your, uh, consideration as a puzzle piece, but I'll also go to uh, the Big Short, which I think a lot of people are comparing with this because of the, uh, you know, the whole pointing to the things that you know, obviously cost our economic collapse and in, in this, you know, not just our country, but like obviously all over the place and all of the issues that we've been going through and the whole 1% and, you know, versus 99% and, you know, how rich people are just sucking up resources and, you know, but also at the same time with something like the big short, you know, trying to still be an entertaining and, you know, pretty fun movie, even though it's got this dark undercurrent through it. 
that was another one that I had. So we had another crossover. And I have a feeling nice. the next one I'm going to give will be a crossover as well. We'll see. But to the big short, <laughs> um, I absolutely despise that movie. It almost mm. made me leave Los Angeles because I thought to myself, do I want to be a part of an industry that would put something like this out? Um, be, I actually think that Adam McKay, who directed the big short, is a moron. Mm. Mm. Um, I think that he and Rob Reiner are in very similar boats um, in that they have their hearts are in the right place, but they're dumb and um like rob reiner he started out making big successful comedies when harry met sally you know uh princess bride that you know, and then he started skewing political right. um and just became a lampoon of himself um because his ideas were just so flat you mm-hmm. know what i mean his ideas were well, just i i think more so than flat i think it falls into a thing that a lot of comedians do lately which is that that whole like going for clapter you know, where, where it's like, it's like, oh yeah, I agree with that. It must be funny. Like, I, I, I love mm. this because I agree with it. Yeah, no. Well, like, like the, the stances that his characters started taking in the, in when he started getting like more political, whether it was with like, um, a few good men or with the American president, like his stances were just like, guns are bad. Okay. You know what I mean? Like right, that was, right. that was just kind of, the military's bad. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> I think that Adam McKay no no pun intended um is equally shallow in his view of how things work and i found the big short and vice both of them to be aggressively mm. offensive um in that not only do they like blame the 1% for everything well they they accuse the 1% of everything but then dare to blame us like his movies point fingers at us the audience saying you let this happen this mm. is your fault. You didn't pay attention. You went along with this, right? And and I wouldn't take it so, so personally if it wasn't for the fact that specifically in the movie, in the big short, he has Ryan Gosling say, like, while all this shit was going on, you were too busy focusing on this. And then he shows, like, music videos and shit from that, from that year and everything. Mm-hmm. And, like, like, he shows, like, little clips from, like, you know, pop culture during that year. The one clip that I don't see was Talladega Nights, which came out that summer, which Adam <laughs> McKay directed. So that sure. he dare he has the gall, the audacity to finger point at everyone but himself when he is in fact the one percent. He is the king of comedy in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Like he is sure. that thing. He he like almost like snarky in his uh blame throwing. I'm just not into blame throwing uh politically driven stuff anyway like i remember donald glover did that music video last year that everybody was so crazy about and i'm like he's literally just pointing his fingers at you like what are you mm. talking about like like he's not but unlike that movie the big short greed i think does the opposite mm-hmm. where what greed does is it dares to have it 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 bridges a gap of understanding at the end of the film when uh when she pushes the button to open the tiger cage like for for those of you who haven't seen the film and i i, I you know <laughs> i don't think this is going to sway anybody to go see it so there's a, it's not a tiger cage it's a lion cage um steve coogan's character is throwing a big birthday party and he has a coliseum that they're going to do a big event in that looks like gladiator and he has a lion that he keeps caged up the whole movie and um at the end of the movie um his son feeds uh cocaine to the lion to piss it off mm-hmm. and then this woman who's working for the party sees steve coogan drunkenly shit talking the lion in the coliseum all alone 
and her mother died in a fire in one of his factories and he doesn't know that, but she sees an opportunity to kill him. Yeah. And she does it. She pushes the button that opens the cage and the lion just annihilates Steve Coogan in one of the most like that scene. I was so invested in the story and it was so human and believable to me that when that happened, it was traumatic. That was like the most traumatic thing I've ever seen. (laughs) Like it was so sad and scary watching him slowly die. Um, but she says the last line of the movie is her talking to the main character. And she says, you know, I don't feel like I killed him. And that scares me. She's mm-hmm. like, my hand pushed the button. The button opened the gate. The lion walked out of the gate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she, that yeah. she explains that, that disconnect is that she was able to make that disconnect to make herself feel better. Gave her an understanding of why somebody like Steve Coogan, he's just looking for a deal. Right. You know what I mean? Like he didn't cause the fire. He didn't kill her mother. You know what I mean? But he wanted to make cheap quality products so that he could sell them for cheap. And that was the, the cost of what happened, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that that see to me, that is a movie that is cinema. That is entertainment where it's, there's no blame being thrown, but it literally creates an understanding. It doesn't like, that's how I think you solve problems. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? By creating understanding, getting everybody on the same page, not by like blame and shame and, and, uh, you know, accusation. Um, we all know what the problem is right now. Now we sure. need to know how to solve it, you know, and, and, and movies like the big short, I don't think help. Right. I, I hear you. What do you, uh, why don't we jump onto your next piece? What do you got for your next one? Okay. So I'm, I'm, I would think you would have this one too, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Bruno. <laughs> Well, okay, so this is weird. I don't remember if we've ever talked about this before. I still have never seen Bruno. <gasps> I know. Isn't that freaking weird? That's the I, first I, movie I saw in LA. Wow, that's crazy. But but I mean, I, I loved the Ali G show. I loved Borat. And then I missed Bruno opening weekend and never caught up. I don't know how that happened. Have no. you seen like the stuff afterward? Like, did you see like the dictator and Grimsby and all that stuff? I did. I saw all of this stuff since then. I just, I've never caught up with Bruno and I've always wanted to. Fascinating. Well, yeah. Bruno is my personal favorite of his film work. Um, the mm-hmm. Ali G show is still my favorite thing he's done, period. Yeah. Um, but on the Ali G show, Bruno was my favorite character. Um, uh, the reason why I compared it to Bruno outside of the obvious mockumentary fashion industry. Um, is like greed. I, I, I feel like a, I feel like Borat, which I absolutely loved, right? I love Borat. And I would say that yeah. Borat is probably a better movie. Um, Borat was one of those movies that kind of what you were talking about. What did you call it? Where you cl- uh, clap, uh, applaud? What were you saying? Oh, clapter. Clapter. <laughs> so good. I feel like Bruno has a little bit of that to it. You know what I mean? Where it's easy to like, you know, like call out, you know, people from Texas for being homophobic and a little, you know what I mean? Just it's a, it's a little bit of an easy target. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that Bruno dares to, uh, call that into question. Not only like, um, not only, uh, to challenge those who like the bros who high fived at Bruno, but also to challenge the idea of like, well, what does it mean to exploit somebody? Sure. Um, you know what I mean? Because uh, like, there's some of the stuff that he does in that movie where he like totally um, crosses lines. You know what I mean? That like that like uh, I, I mean like there's a scene 
in the film where he basically is trying to like seduce a politician during an interview and like basic, I mean, it's pretty much sexual assault. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like he yeah. crosses that line to where it's not funny anymore. And then he gets that guy to react poorly. It's Ron Paul. I, I, I mean, I don't know why, but he, he gets him to react poorly and to finally use a, uh, a, a gay slur. It, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but he draws it out of him as opposed to it being natural. So like, I find that really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's some of that in greed as well, where like some people are kind of pushed to their extreme, much like Steve Coogan's character, you know? Um, right. We, it, and I love too, that they never try to make us sympathize with him, but like you still are affected by what's happening to him. It's really interesting. Um, yeah. Th- there's a layer to his, uh, his character where you you almost kind of get the feeling that he can't be anything else other right. than what he is. Right. He's the son of an immigrant who faced, you know, uh, basically, you know, his mother, like nobody respected her. She's a single mother immigrant. You know what I mean? So, mm. And she like stood so strong. So his principles are built on, you know, a, a solid foundation, you know what I mean? Of good intention. Yeah. And, uh, and, and no matter what he does, that's at the root of everything. And one of my favorite things too, is where he, he talks about how he wants the, um, how he wants his, his store when he's designing his store, he wants it to be pink, like a big fucking vagina. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's like, like, you know, like that's what he wants people to want to come inside of it. Yeah, right? yeah. But then when it's in there, he's like upset by it. And he says, I feel like I'm trapped in a giant fucking twat. Yeah. You know, and, and like, it's so brilliant. Like, like, the, like I said, this movie's so heavy. You know, he's still like under the control of his mother and trying to, you know, it's, it's really so good. (laughs) That's that's awesome. You just know that that, that brain just doesn't know like what it wants at that that moment. Yeah. So good. (laughs) Well, uh, I'm going to go to another piece here. This one's kind of almost a silly one, but I, I thought it was worth mentioning. And you actually kind of mentioned it briefly earlier. Uh, and that actually is Gladiator, the, mm-hmm. the Ridley Scott movie. I had that uh, one too. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, as a puzzle piece, it does work because this character, this this kind of rich, you know, billionaire, one percenter or whatever, he of course wants his his birthday party to be themed after not, not gladiators, but the movie gladiator, <laughs> which is so hilarious. And his whole family, like they all know gladiator and it's just like the, the best movie. And of course it is. I mean, it, it you hear those stories about like the, uh, the budget and everything with gladiator and just how big of a, you know, a spectacle mm-hmm. movie it is. It's just like, it's just the perfect movie for them to be obsessed with. And so I, I just think that it's, it's a great, uh, a great choice for these characters. Absolutely. And, and, and the tragedy of the character that he pictures himself as Maximus Meridius Decimus, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he, he thinks of himself <laughs> that way when really he's, you know, fucking Caesar. He's, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> and, and I knew like, like that was one of the disappointing things that like, you know, for, for a fact that, um, his son is going to betray him yeah, like, yeah, because they're setting you up with the gladiator thing throughout the whole movie. You know what I mean? Cause it's his son. But like what I did not expect, and I don't know why I didn't expect this was that once his son kills him, mm-hmm. that like gladiator, he takes over and goes power hungry 
and rules with an iron fist. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like the last time we see his son, who you think is like, hates his father in the way it's, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, he, he actually just hates his dad. He doesn't care about anything. He yeah. Resents his father. And like, you know, he's just takes over just Joaquin Phoenix style. You know what totally. I mean? Yeah, oh. just goes right in on that that whole uh, that <laughs> that whole character. It was actually that scene that reminded me, for some reason, of four year consideration the most, which it is the exact opposite connotation. But like, he gets up on the stage and he like basically steals the show and gives performance. Mm. And all I could think of was Parker Posey's one man show, one woman show at the end of four year consideration, where she's a character who like you know is driven to like this kind of abstract madness. That yeah, she yeah. puts on display at the end. <laughs> That's awesome. Gladiator. So good. So funny. All right. What do you got for your next one then? I really like that we've had three. Um, I know. That's that, great. That were that were the same. And I thought Bruno was gonna be one. So we like, who knows? Okay, so um the uh I believe the last puzzle piece that I have here is uh the great Gatsby. Um Never actually saw it. The, the you mean the more recent version? Or? Hell no, I don't mean that okay. version. No, okay. that yeah. version is just called Gatsby, I believe. Oh yeah, um, I think you're right. That, <laughs> that movie is trash, um, <laughs> dude. When, <laughs> when they announced that what's his name Baz Luhrmann was going to be making that movie, like. Yeah. I was like, oh, so you don't understand The Great Gatsby. Like, you, you, right out of the gate. Like, that's an idiot's choice to direct that's that such a, That's such a Joe Black thing to say. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well no, I... Well, like, have you read... Have you, <laughs> <laughs> and no, it's such a David Rosen thing to say is, no, I have not read it. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's good. Um, the Great Gatsby, you know, one of the things that I hated about school, because like all uh, of my heroes, I hated school, um, uh, was that they tried to get us to read books. And it's like, maybe I would read a book if you wouldn't try to force me to read certain books. Like, yeah, you don't try to get me to read the Lakota woman. I don't want to read it. Um, <laughs> the only time that I, there were two times in school where they recommended a book and I enjoyed it. One of them was Beowulf, which doesn't count. <laughs> it's a long poem, but the other one, which I also hated the Robert Zemeckis Beowulf movie, but, um, mm -hmm. but great Gatsby was the only book they had us read where like, I really, uh, that, that book blew me away, like really blew me away. And, um, the, the, uh, Francis Ford Coppola produced Robert Redford version of the film from the seventies is the one that I was comparing greed to. Um, okay. Because that film it changes a lot. It changes a lot of what uh, happens in the book. Um, but it understands the fundamentals of what the book is trying to tr convey. Mm -hmm. So in that film, in the, in this film version of the great Gatsby, the good version, um, the parties that Gatsby's throwing, it's a bunch of super rich assholes in tuxedos sweating their balls off you know what mm. i mean acting like assholes falling over each other laughing groping women stepping on food like just being dicks like there's a band and there's you know pretty girls walking around carrying around cigarettes and food and shit but it's mm. not moulin fucking rouge you know what i mean mm -hmm. the point the point of the great gatsby um 
is that it is narrated by Nick, Nick Carraway, who's like a distant relative of Gatsby's, the woman Gatsby loves. He's poor, but he wants to be rich. And Mm. he sees this world from the outside. So we are seeing the story through Nick's eyes. And Nick sees it for what it is, which is a bunch of rich people wearing pearls and, and hot clothing in the dead of summer acting like jerks, but in their own little mystical world. Yeah. Um, and he has to, like, it calls into question his motivation to want to be rich. It calls into his morality. It calls, you know what I mean? It's very interesting. Um, the movie with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, was uh, from the rich people's point of view, which doesn't make mm. any sense. You know what I mean? Like the world isn't this cartoonish, elaborate, you know, uh, you know, swing and joint. It's not. And like, so the fundamentals of that movie are completely off. Like they just don't get it. Right. Um, this movie, though, Greed, I feel like a Will Ferrell movie, which is what they sold it as, would have tried to do it from the point of view of the Steve Coogan character. Mm. You know what I mean? It would have been like, you know, his own little like crazy world, like Anchorman is. You know what I mean? Anchorman is Ron sure. Burgundy's world. Yeah, but this film is told from the point of view of the documentarian, his the person who's going to write his book, <laughs> right? right? So yeah. he is an outsider who, at the end, sells his soul for a hundred thousand yeah. um, dollars. <laughs> and because of that, the movie right out of the gate has more on its mind than uh, a condemnation of excess. It mm. is it's 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 a probing look into what drives us the people who aren't like this what motivates us why do we make celebrity out of them why do we want to be them do we want more than just comfort what kind of luxuries would we want if we were in that situation you know it really it opens the doors for us to start exploring things in our minds and um you you know what that that point makes me wonder something Uh, i i read a few reviews of the movie and you know i saw that it's getting roughly mixed reviews overall it seems a lot of people point to the whole reality show uh aspect as one of the big negatives of the movie what did you think of that with his daughter yeah with his daughter thought it was excellent okay i thought it was excellent i mean that plays into what you're talking about right now which is what made what made me think of it but i noticed that most of the reviews point to that as being one of the the negative things i thought at the very least it was pretty damn funny oh yeah well it's the old bait and switch because you think that like you're setting it up for her to be the shallow meaningless whatever one and the other son should be the one who cares about the wrongs that are being undone that are being done through his father's work and then they flop it at the end where she actually is dying to be human and cares deeply for the human condition. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and he is the opposite. You know what I mean? Like he, you know, he's desperate to be as like privileged as she seems to him. You know, it's, it's brilliant. Right. I think the reason this movie got mixed reviews is because people went expecting Anchorman. Right. And, it's sold in the wrong way, which happens all too often. It seems like. Yeah. And nobody, and, and you know, it's so funny. It's like, for some reason we've been conditioned to think that we don't want to be challenged at all, mm, but it's yeah. like, of course we do. You know, you and I were talking before this about, you know, how we play Tetris. You know what I mean? Why do we play Tetris? It's because we, who doesn't like a good challenge? Who doesn't have sure. a Sudoku app? Who doesn't have a, you know, and yeah. this whole like idea of living life, for the things that like either satisfy us or give us pleasure or peace of mind only. I think that's a fool's paradise. And I think that that's the slippery slope that leads to things like Steve Coogan's character and greed, like the mm-hmm. 1%, you know, and yeah. uh, I think it's important to be challenged. And I think it's also important to remember that a challenge is not necessarily something that's going to, uh, 
that's going to drain us or that's going to scar us or that's going to be uh, cumbersome. You know what I mean? Like, it's just sure it's good to explore. And that's why I loved greed so much. And that's why after it was over, I, I hit you up and I was like, dude, you got to at the very least see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, yeah, yeah. it's really there. I'm just thinking now oh, about yeah. too, about how much I just really can't stand that. Uh, the Baz Luhrmann, great Gatsby. It's like, <laughs> I'm sorry I brought it up. No, no, no. I mean, you can't not, you know what I mean? Like I got yeah. up so many times to walk out of that movie. And then every single time I would get up to walk out of it, they started playing that Lana Del Rey song. Again, mm. the uh, young and beautiful song. Um, yeah. And every single time it made me sit back down because I was like, this is a good song. Yeah. Um, I could I could hang out for this. <laughs> I thought about the thing with the Joker, too. I mean, I don't want to side too much and you can just cut this out if you want. But like the Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. Um, I really liked your podcast that you did about it. Um, I especially mm. liked your your jokes and your puzzle pieces in that. I think you didn't get your due for how great your jokes were in that. Nah. <laughs> um, I'm serious. Uh, but uh, but one of the things that I thought was missing from Joker, a lot of criticism that the Batman movies get is that Batman is the quote-unquote least interesting character. Mm. You know what I mean? That he's like, the villains are why you go. You know, the villains are more interesting. Yeah. And... Um, I've never felt that personally, but I got what people were saying. So here we get a Batman movie about the villain without Batman. And I, and I found the movie to be so boring and Mm. I was trying to piece together why. And I realized because like the great Gatsby, what Batman acts as in the films, at least he is the Nick Carraway of those stories. We are seeing these villains through his eyes, Mm. right? Because he Batman as a character understands the draw to be those villains because life is hard and life does, you know, fuck you over sometimes and life can scar you and damage you. And it would be very easy to become those things. And in a society that seems to be getting worse and worse, no matter how much good you do, the draw to be one of those people is more and more real every day, you know, like, and, and so Batman, whether Batman acts as not the audience, but the eyes in which to see the story through in those. And that's what makes it so much more interesting. Hmm. That's what makes it so much more tragic, so much more exciting, so much more tension and, you know, drama and all that. When you've just got the villain who you know will become the Joker by the end, it's just kind of, okay. You know, the animated series used to do that in 90 seconds. (laughs) well you know what i mean like like yeah yeah for sure colombo <laughs> used to do that in the first act you know like mm-hmm. um i think that i i think that the joker really just uh just even by design just missed the ball on that completely mm-hmm. um i feel like i wonder what could have made greed a hit if it had a chance at all to be a hit like it needed like a big star or something unfortunately like it needed like a like a margot robbie or well, that that's one thing I was thinking about for, uh, and I, I still got one more puzzle piece, oh, but shit. real quick, no, it's it's all good, but but uh, real quick though, I wondered if, you know, if this is almost like the perfect example of when people say they, you know, they don't make movies like this anymore. Mm-hmm. Like th- this is exactly what 
you know, especially with what's happening with, with, you know, everything closing down for who knows how long. And once everything comes back, it's going to be, I mean, Hollywood's going to need to make only things that make money for a while. Right. Uh, I, I worry this is exactly the kind of movie that we're not going to get. Well, you look at the things that used to make money. My God, like since I've been here in quarantine, I've been catching up on some movies that I've never seen. And like some of like a lot of people would be surprised at what I haven't seen. But like mm-hmm. one of them was Field of Dreams, right? Like hmm. I, I yeah. so I watched Field of Dreams the other day and I was like, they would never make this movie and they would never get sent to a theater today. You know what I yeah. mean? This is the, like people we, we we've been conditioned to think that movies and theaters mean, you know, big big spectacle right. big you know and and sure that's a great place for them but honestly like i'm so glad that i saw greed in a theater because i yeah. feel like there are certain movies that benefit straight up just from your full attention from yeah. surrendering yourself over to what you're about to experience you know what i mean and no matter how big and fancy tv screens get at home or how good our sound systems are the idea of the act of putting on your shoes and going outside and going into a theater and sitting down in a space that isn't yours like yeah could be important and could actually be very enriching, you yeah. know? Um, and, and so you know, when I saw greed, I remember my friend who I saw it with, she loved it, you know, and we were talking about afterward, how like, a, you know, a lot of people could discover that on VOD, but yeah. to me, greed is the kind of movie that that does a disservice to, because it requires, it's more than just jokes. It's more than anger, yeah. man. It requires, it doesn't require it, 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 it offers you a lot more than that. And sure. I would, I hope that when this quarantine is lifted, that we start to see that language come back into movies. You know what I mean? I sure hope so, man. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to do my, my last piece then and we'll, uh, we'll jump into some closing, some more closing thoughts Great. after that. But my, uh, my last piece though, you mentioned earlier, you spound and down, uh, and I was just going to bring up the whole tiger scene in, uh, or lion scene, I'm sorry, in vice principles, uh, yes. which is just absolutely incredible. But I mean, just the idea of this, just you know, vain characters just trying to celebrate himself and, you know, by bringing, by bringing a fucking lion into a situation <laughs> and, and you just know from the second it's on screen, uh, th- this is, this thing is going to fuck this guy up. Oh yeah. You know? and, and it comes gloriously. Let's put it that way. Um, and like you said, it's, uh, maybe a bit traumatic. Um, I, I, I was dying. I, I thought, I thought yes. it was great, but um, but yeah, no, it's it's absolutely uh, it, it's absolutely just it, it's hilarious just because you just know you know the whole time it's coming, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I love it. That's that funny. whole crew, they're they're geniuses. They've been doing the thing that oh, Greed yeah. is doing now since Eastbound and Down. Eastbound right. and Down, um, the first season's kind of weak in my opinion. But after mm-hmm. that, they've really been on this path of like, yeah, like subverting the expectation of the Will Ferrell kind of, you know, braggart comedy. Yeah. Like um, Vice Principles, to me, is the weakest of the three, even though I love all three of them, because mm-hmm. I think the Vice Principles suffers a little from like, it, to me, Vice Principles sometimes feels like it wants to be something it's not. Like it, it, it would rather not be as silly as it gets sometimes. Sure. Um, but it was much better on a second viewing, I will say. Um, I do like the specificity you're bringing in of the lion to Vice Principles, but I think, uh, you know, just as good a puzzle piece could be the whole Jody Hill, David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, like television legacy, Eastbound and sure. Down, Vice Principles, and both you and I adored this, and I think we both claimed it as our favorite piece of pop culture in 2019, Righteous Gemstones. Hell yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> like, y- y- yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, it... it um. 
the, these guys, they're the kings of it. And as much as I would love to see another Jody Hill movie, like in a theater, because I mean, Foot Fist Way and, and, and Observant Report are two of my all-time favorite comedies, let alone, you know, movies, let alone comedies. Yeah. Um, he's really doing some brilliant work uh, on television. Um, so maybe my point of greed in the theater is wrong. Maybe it would work just well as, I don't know. Because... <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that shit that shit's <laughs> working. I think I want to throw in the Joker as another puzzle piece just so you can't cut it out. Okay. There <laughs> <laughs> That's wow, you have found a way to game the system, my friend. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to do the finished puzzle, and then we'll get to uh, some closing thoughts here. Uh, finished puzzle for Greed includes, for your consideration, as well as other Christopher Guest movies, uh, The Big Short, Bruno, Gladiator, The Great Gatsby, Vice Principals, and Joker. Yes. <laughs> um, I'll just briefly say... Uh, I also had thought about including uh, both Veep and Arrested Development, two more TV series, mm. and I thought there's little you know comparisons to be made. I also have read in a lot of reviews that it's like Succession, which is a show I haven't seen, but I know gets a shit ton of praise. Um, but Never even heard lot, of it. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. I, th I think it's HBO, but... Um, yeah, but just a lot of a lot of that kind of a feeling though, like the the political drama comedy thing, you know. Uh but um yeah, any any other closing thoughts you had? Well, I think that like uh you know, the reason we're seeing this trend is because, you know, comedians like to bitch and moan about quote unquote the PC police. Sure. And um I think what's really come out of this uh overly overly political correct society that we've stepped our foot in for a minute here. I think one of the benefits we're seeing is that uh, entertainers uh, have had to rise to the challenge and have had to go back to the root of why we entertain to begin with. And um, I think that it's skewed things in some good directions where like suddenly for, for your material to land, you have to create context and you, and honestly people don't want their time wasted. So you have to like have a point, um, mm -hmm. which, you know, Unfortunately, we lose some of the great little side gems, you know, things like Hot Rod, just silly little, you know, movies. <laughs> that, but like, I think people have had to rise to the challenge, you know what I mean? And I think I think that that can be a good thing, you know? Um, sure. Uh, I think that we're slowly learning to put the horse be, be, uh, to put the horse before the cart again, you sure, know? Um, sure. So and I think greed, success or not, is a step in the right direction. You know, uh, there's this big. I know. Uh, you know, I do consider myself an artist, you know, and a big struggle that a lot of artists have out here in Los Angeles is you want to get people to see what you do. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you want to get as big of an audience as possible. You want to get as many people, as many eyes, um, cause you want to, you know, influence or change the world or speak to the world. But, yeah. um, I think that sometimes we devalue what it means to speak to just one person sometimes. And, uh, you know, like this movie really spoke to me. So it may have made, you know, a hundred thousand dollars at the box office, but I was one of that hundred thousand dollars. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, sure. It really affected me and I'll take it with me forever. And I'm very grateful for it. Hell yeah. Um, you know, what, one last thing I just remembered that I did want to mention, uh, we, we didn't talk about, uh, uh, Isla Fisher at all. Um, but I love the fact that she was shooting this in the beach bum back to back. Mm -hmm. Um, the, 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 uh, the mind state of those characters. Uh, yeah. Just, yeah. That must have been a, uh, a fun ride going from yeah. one project to the next. And I didn't even make the Hot Rod reference on purpose like that. That's funny. No. Um, 
There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because like, you know, she's obviously got, you know, very good taste and she's, you know what I mean? But like, I just, she doesn't do much for me. She doesn't yeah. add or take away from any experience for me. I don't know. I These were actually two of the most standout roles, I think, for her in, in from what I can remember. Sure. Let's put it that way. Yeah, not not there, wedding days. Both of them. You didn't like wedding yeah. days. Yeah, <laughs> not not so much. <laughs> Poor Jason Biggs. That was the name yeah. of that movie, right? It was like Days with a Z. Yes, which is what, hilarious. Uh, every Michael time. Ian Black direct that, I think. No, did he really? Because if so, I'm looking it up right now. Because if so, I'll watch it. He sure did. All right, you convinced me. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember if I ever actually watched. It. I love Michael Ian Black, but I know it's supposed to be just awful. But I don't. Well. Know. Yeah. you know we'll, we'll make up mm. our own mind there you go there <laughs> we'll you go. make up our own mind very funny today. <laughs> i like i like it i like it. all right well uh hey do, do you have another movie you watched recently that you'd like to uh recommend to our listeners i would um uh please don't judge me if you see it listeners but uh jenny mccarthy's uh 2005 sex comedy uh dirty love um Okay. Have, have you heard of and or seen this film? I don't believe so. No. I uh it came out when I was working at Blockbuster, so I've seen the cover, you know, for years and uh when I moved in with my girlfriend, I was looking at her DVD collection and she had that movie and I was like, "Why do you have this?" And she's like, "This is one of my favorite movies. I know every line." I remember and, this cover, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we watched it and I mean, it is the cheapest production you could ever see. Like, you know what I mean? It looks like it was made for eight bucks on their mom's mm-hmm. camcorder. Um, and it is the most like vulgar, crass, like, and there's, it's like, there's no, there's no story. I mean, there's kind of a story, but it's like, but like the jokes, it's like, it's basically, I would think of it as the female companion to Freddie Got Fingered. Um, <laughs> it's not as good as Freddie Got Fingered for many reasons, but like, as far as like the comedy approach and she's very, very funny in it. Um, but, uh, if you like Carmen Electra's like offensively hilarious performance in it, did you ever think you'd hear anyone say that? No. Um, Uh -uh. uh, and Jenny McCarthy there, I don't know, man, it's really, really funny. If that's your, if that's your bag. Um, but if you don't find like, you know, farts and things like that, funny, don't watch it. (laughs) <laughs> all right well it's going on my maybe pile let's put it that way yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh my girlfriend just walked in right now actually so she missed me singing praises of her favorite movie so ah nice she'll have to wait to listen to the podcast to <laughs> there you go <laughs> to believe me <laughs> right joe well this was uh this was great i'm glad we finally got to do this one uh why don't you tell people where uh, they can find you and your work it's still just, you know, Facebook. You can just go to Blue Means Pregnant Films. But I, I promise, I keep saying every time I'm on here, the DVDs and Blu-rays and website are coming. Right now, with all this that's going on, the, the hopeful date is the 4th of July, which will be the 18th anniversary of the, or the, the 18th, the 12th anniversary of the premiere of my first theatrically released movie. So, All right. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks as always for being here. And uh, pretty soon we're going to be having Joe back for some of those Missing Pieces episodes. So Mm -hmm. uh, we'll be talking to you again very soon. Thanks, everyone. We interrupt your regularly scheduled podcast to bring you an exciting announcement. You love movies and TV. We know you do because you're spending your precious time listening to this awesome podcast. And if you love this podcast, we've got another we think you might like. I'm Shannon. And I'm Phaedra. 
and we are Stinger, the entertainment podcast. We're two fangirls who love TV and movies, just like you, and every two weeks we discuss what we're watching, from Netflix to Hulu to Amazon to network TV, movies we've seen, and what's coming up next in entertainment. We hear so many people ask, what should I binge watch next? Or is that movie really worth seeing in the theater? If you have those questions, we're here for you. And you can decide which one of us is right. (laughs) So check us out on your favorite podcast app, or you can listen on our website, stingerpodcast.com. Just search for Stinger Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Or connect with us on social media. We're Stinger Podcast everywhere. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about greed. If you haven't seen the movie yet, of course, we've gotten lots of spoilers in the conversation like we always do, but you should go check this movie out. It is a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks, as always, to Joe Black for joining me. It's always an entertaining conversation when he's on the show. And uh, I think that does it for today. We are going to be back with a whole lot more piecing it together in the coming weeks. We have a couple episodes in the can ready to go that are already scheduled. I'm actually going to be taking a little bit of a a break from recording for a week, but I do have a couple of new, new episodes ready to record as well that I got notes on, and we're going to schedule the recordings coming up sometime next week so we can start planning more. But uh, we're going to have all of May filled out for... I think two episodes a week, every week for all of May. And then who knows what's going to happen in June. And then there's some estimates saying maybe we'll be getting big movies coming back in July. I kind of doubt it, to be honest with you, but I guess we'll see what happens. Regardless, there's lots to cover between VOD movies, streaming movies, uh, getting back to some more of our Missing Pieces episodes, special episodes like the interview we just did with Bob Byington. I'm hoping to do more special episodes as well. Lots coming your way. I promise you so much to look forward to. And on top of that, lots more music coming your way. Uh, of course, I'm going to play you out with a track, but first I do want to remind you, make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like the show, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. That costs you nothing, and we would really appreciate it if you did it. It also costs you nothing to share the show. Share it with your friends. That would be the greatest thing in the world if you did that. And then you can always follow us over on patreon and throw a few bucks that way totally unnecessary you don't have to do it but you get some cool perks if you do it and really i'm just happy that you're out there listening and i want to continue doing the show for a long time so thank you so much for listening so uh let's play this thing out with a piece of music and what would be a good track to go with this movie greed oh you know what i know what a good track would be Uh, From one of my free albums, Like Ashes, this is like an album full of bonus tracks and remixes, there was a uh, track that was cut from Head Like Fire called Journey. And, you know, the main character is obsessed with Gladiator and all things big and epic. And this is a big and epic track. So let's go with Journey. I think uh, the Steve Coogan character would really appreciate this song to play him out. So enjoy Journey and we'll be back with more Piecing It Together coming up next week.
and all points west. Thank you.